With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No it's time to fade the chalk. Fade the chalk. Presented by the FTN Network, helping you win your fantasy leagues and dominate in DFS. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Brown and Adam Pfeiffer. Woo! <laughs> what is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Fade the Chalk podcast, brought to you by the FTN Network. I'm your host, Debro, and with me, as always, on this trade episode, is my co-host, Adam Pfeiffer. Adam, what's up, man? Chillin' man, I uh, I'm pretty pretty excited about this week. Although I would be lying if I said I'm more excited than you because you know we we had some news pop up Wednesday morning, but there is a possibility that we have an island game for one Jamichael Hasty on Thursday night. It's Hasty Week, baby! Time to dance. So we have Let Irv Swerve. We need one for Hasty, although he's kind of already <laughs> you know getting work by by default but yeah dude it, 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 I, it, so we'll throw this out to the listeners if you got something a hashtag for jermichael hasty throw it out on twitter tag the twitter handle for the podcast at chalk fade hit us up man give us your ideas uh because th- there obviously needs to be a movement if there's a movement for irv smith with this podcast jermichael hasty needs to have his own marching band going forward because this week is fantastic so getting into a few news items before we jump into our trade for and trade away targets for this week uh speaking about that game there's a few notable things adam uh we got the news that george kittle is going to be out possibly the rest of the regular season eight weeks it's looking like i I know i've seen on twitter where george kittle is talking about it's two weeks dude i know he is a, a monster i know he is not human but uh, we're really probably more looking honestly like this is going to shelve him for the rest of the fantasy season with the foot injury. Uh, thoughts here? Because I think it's going to be probably Ross Dwelly. Uh, we'll see what happens with Jordan Reed, especially this week versus the Packers. Um, Ross Dwelly is a guy that if Reed's not going to be a thing, one of those tight ends for San Francisco is going to probably walk into a top 12 tight end fantasy production role. But what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, it's the same thoughts I had on Monday. Uh, if you're not a fan of the 49ers, Eagles, or, or Cowboys, you don't get to complain about injuries, especially with the Niners, because it just, I don't, I've never seen anything like this. Um, like, it's not just a bunch of role players and third or fourth string guys. It's legitimately the best players on the roster that just keep getting hurt. So, yeah, it really sucks for George Kittle. Um, 
And we also get the news about 25 minutes ago that Kendrick Bourne tested positive for COVID-19, which just really makes this passing game even more um, short on players. And, you know, if that game... I mean, regardless, they're not going to have Kendrick Bourne or George Kittle. So that's going to be interesting, at least for this week, because if you're Green Bay, you know, you can just say, all right, let's put Jair Alexander, who's been one of the best corners in the NFL this year, on Brandon Ayuk and force him to go elsewhere. And if that's the case, then, yeah, Ross Dwelly or Jordan Reed. I know Jordan Reed has been out. He pre- he was limited in practice on Tuesday. Um, I mean, they'll probably both play a decent amount, but given how bad the tight end position is and how uh short on receiving options San Francisco is like they would both be legitimately viable options whether the game's Thursday night or whatever like they're like they're gonna have to throw to these guys they're gonna try to run the football with uh Jamichael Hasty obviously but you know you, we we know that the Niners I mean Green Bay has lost what two in a row now or no it's mm-hmm. oh yeah it is two in a row because they had a bye I mean Rodgers and company are I, I think they kind of handle business and if they get behind then yeah you're gonna see Especially if Ayuk's kind of taken out of this game, it's going to be a lot of the tight ends um, from Nick Mullins. So, yeah, and staying away from that game, like if you're just looking at tight ends to pick up, Eric Ebron, if he hasn't been picked up, he was like a popular you know, tight end to pick up just because of A, he's one of the best guys out there, B, the matchup this week. But like other than that, like who else would you look to pick up at tight end that could be out there? I know you're going to talk about somebody to trade for who might have been dropped uh, due to his situation, but... Yeah, it's uh, it's not good. I mean, outside of Travis Kelsey, George Kittle was obviously the next safest bet at tight end. And it's so crazy how I and a lot of other people thought the tight end position was the deepest it's ever been entering the season. And it's turned out to be the exact opposite. Because if you don't have Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller, you're praying. Although Gronk's been pretty damn dope. But yeah, it's it's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah, I mean, I think it's every year, considering with injuries and underperformance. And, I mean, I really think that a lot of it's the injuries. Yes, Zach Ertz was not great before he went out, but George Kittle was doing George Kittle things, and now he's gone. Mark Andrews has been struggling, mostly because Lamar Jackson has been struggling to throw the ball. Um, It's just been a wild year. I mean, we talk about that, and we could say that pretty much any season, but yeah, the tight end position overall, just some of the situations we were hoping, like hashtag glitter of swerve, have not come to fruition yet. I know he's had some better games than recent weeks, and he's running more routes and all these kind of wonderful things. But Rudolph doesn't move on. They're not involving him a ton. They're wanting to run slow and just run the damn ball. So um, definitely a lot of things with the tight end position that we had hoped for that we haven't seen, at least to this point. Uh, moving on. So Jake Lutton is going to be the starter for Jacksonville uh, with the injured Gardner Minshew. Quote, unquote, uh, injured. Yeah, I, man, I, th- I feel like they're just using that dude as a total scapegoat. I mean, they look, are. Jacksonville was not going to be good to begin with. I don't think that uh, Jake the Snake is going to be any better under center. Um, it, you know, I, I went back and watched a few games uh, in the last few days uh, from his college days, uh, just trying to get a sense of who he is, how he is. He, he looks okay as far as, like, accuracy and the ability – to um, hit receivers in stride in short and intermediate areas. I have some questions on his arm strength. Um, everybody's willing to bury him, and I'm not saying he's going to have a fantastic game, but the Texans are 32nd against short passing. There's some uh, avenues to where he can have like a decent game and Jacksonville's able to move the ball. I don't give a lot of credence to the Texans' pass rush. 
Their corners are bad, like Bradley Roby is shadowing, which is a great thing because then you just know whoever he's covering is going to be able to catch the ball at will. Uh, what are your thoughts on him before we move on? So, I love Gardner Minshew, and from a fantasy perspective, he's still been fine. But, like, if you just watch him play, like, he's missing throws, and he's really been hurting DJ Chark because Chark has been getting open downfield, but Minshew's been either throwing him into double coverage with his throws or just completely missing him. Um, like, he has four catchable deep targets this season. I don't think Jake Lutton being the quarterback is, like, Chark's value has, has come down over the course of the season, like, just in general, but I don't think it just goes from, like, off, like, like you know, slightly down to just catastrophic with Lutton playing. I, I, like, because Minshew hasn't been that good, so... And there was a report that came out that they're going to um, – Jackson was going to try to throw downfield more with Lutton, so that would end up kind of benefiting DJ Chark. I, I just think, like, you're you're obviously not viewing Chark as that, you know, low-end two with upside right now. He's more of a three or a flex until things turn around. But I don't think he's this guy that you just drop or can't play in decent matchups. This isn't, like, the most – incredible matchup but it's not bad I mean Bradley Roby's been shadowing but Bradley Roby is not somebody I worry about as a shadow corner like there's maybe three corners in the NFL that I worry about that with so yeah I think I think it's going to be really interesting for the next couple weeks to see how Chark plays because you could see every game DJ Chark was just visibly frustrated I mean just he was getting separation he was getting downfield and the ball just wasn't where it needed to be um I think he called out the quarterback play in a press conference like two or three weeks ago so hopefully this helps him um but it seems like the identity of this team, and it's crazy how we're saying this, but I love it, is to give James Robinson 25 touches, which I ain't mad at because he's awesome. I ain't mad at it either, man, and I, we'll, we'll get to everything on the DFS episode. I think that game is immensely interesting. I think a lot of people are crapping all over Jacksonville, and I just don't think that the Texans' defense is good enough to garner at least like how much people are kind of loving them this week and how much they're willing to to fade Dude, Jacksonville. <laughs> I might play Jake Lutton DFS. Oh, I mean, we'll get to it, man. I have not gone <laughs> game by game, so I'm not willing to throw that out into the Twitter sphere right now or onto the airwaves. Um, but it's going to be interesting for sure. Moving on. Sean McVay has said Daryl Henderson will be fine for week 10. Um, if anybody is listening to this podcast before, you know my thoughts on Sean McVay and the Dude, ability I, to tell honest things, and I, I, don't, that, I don't believe it. When I put that note in the, the uh, on the note sheet, I was laughing, like giggling. You're trolling as I me. It. I know that when you build some of these things, you're just trolling so, me so on that, some of this. That's like, legitimate, legitimate news, obviously, though, but at the same time, I did feel like a part of me was trolling you. I mean, dude, it's it's uh, it's legitimate until we see any kind of practice reports or anything coming out sure. uh, of Los Angeles. Because, I mean, this is the same guy that has led us astray time and time and time and time again. I don't believe it until I see it, and I believe the practice reports before I believe anything that comes out of Sean McVay's mouth. But moving on. A.J. Dillon, we know that he has been placed on the COVID list. Jamal Williams is out. What do you make out of these running backs for Green Bay this week? And breaking them down, ugh, I mean, it's it's nasty. It's a nasty matchup. Honestly, I think if you're willing to either like play either one of these guys, you have really, 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 really got to be hurting, or it has got to be a really deep league. 
Uh, Tyler Urban is going to run routes. Dexter Williams, I, they were talking about, I think it was Rob Domofsky, one of their beat reporters. I don't believe that guy either. He doesn't even believe in the in, in DVOA. <laughs> he does not believe in the, well, the existence I, of the not, numbers. To I'm him, not... they are witchcraft. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt, too. I'm not okay? referencing an opinion by him. He, I'm just saying he pointed out that when, I think it was the Packers, uh, when they had a punt blocked against Houston a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, it was it was Dexter. Yep. He said it was Dexter Williams' fault, apparently. So, I mean, we have to see, obviously, there is, you know, I'm not, we don't speculate. We don't know anything, but there's a chance this game gets moved. If it does, that gives Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams a chance to play. And then this is, you know, kind of, you know, we don't have to worry about Irvin or Williams. But if the game's on for Thursday still, which as of right now it is, then the answer is Devontae Adams. Like, I'm not playing these dudes. Like, if you are if you no. want to take a shot at them in, like, showdown or whatever, sure. But I would lean towards Tyler Irvin just because I think Green Bay is just going to completely abandon the run. I think they are too. I mean, I look, I I will not shy away. Yes, I have held the Dexter Williams truther card in some dynasty circles in previous years. I, I like his talent, but what he's shown even in limited spurts has n- been nothing special. I don't think this is definitely not a matchup that if Green Bay wants to win this game, they're not going to push the run. Um, Irvin, if he's out there, he's going to be running routes. San Francisco has allowed two receiving touchdowns to running backs this year, one to last week to DJ Dallas, the other one being week one to Chase Edmonds. I think Tyler Irvin could – I'm not going to be surprised if he catches a touchdown in this one. Mm -hmm. In saying that, um, I don't know what the division is going to look like. It is a horrible, horrible, horrible matchup for Green Bay on the ground. I'm with you. I think they they just throw. I told so you, man. I, I, I tweeted it. Like as soon as the news broke, I said if if Aaron Jones plays, if Aaron Jones sits, Devontae Adams getting a thousand targets. If Aaron Jones plays, Devontae Adams getting a hundred targets. <laughs> it's that simple. I don't. I don't disagree. Oh, I gotta with ask you this real quick. I, I know we're okay. a little off topic, but not really because we're on the Packers. What were your thoughts on Fuller? Did you want him getting traded yesterday? Because I didn't at all. Dude, I did not want him to get traded at all. I wanted Deshaun Watson. Dude, I saw a lot of people who like. They're like, yeah, I have four on my fantasy team. I really hope he gets traded. Why? Why would you want that? <laughs> I don't get it. Why would you want that? I don't understand that. Like, he goes from being an alpha and getting, like, he's a top, literally legit, a top 12 to 15 wide receiver weekly, and he's going to see anywhere from 8 to 15, 12 targets, you know, and then he's going to go to what? To Green Bay and sit behind Devontae Adams? Like, Devontae Adams is the alpha. Will Fuller arriving does not change that. Like, that dude's target share is, whoa, it is there to stay. Will Fuller is not going to walk into the same target share, and people say, well, Aaron Rodgers will just throw a ton more. Uh, will he? I mean, it's not like he's only throwing 20 times a game right now. So, no, hell no. I didn't want Will Fuller to go anywhere. Like, I threw it out into the Twitter space that I thought it would be immensely fun just because Russell Wilson would literally break the NFL. I threw it out there and said, okay, if Seattle's wanted another wide receiver, like they've been rumored for Antonio Brown and some other guys, like dear God in heaven, if Will Fuller went to Seattle, Russell Wilson would literally break the league. But outside of that, like just for, for fun's sake and just to see it, I didn't want Will Fuller to go anywhere. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy he's still with the Texans because their offense since Bill O'Brien got fired has been really good. It's been kind of what we expected it to be. And, yeah, like, even from a dynasty perspective, people are like, yeah, I hope he gets tra- – like, why? 
Deshaun Watson's young and one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And, like, you – okay, no, Bill O'Brien's Bill, Bill like gone, so I, I would I would imagine, like, there's no way they just kind of ever get to a point where they don't have to worry about bringing him back. But, yeah. From a dynasty perspective, you should have wanted Will Fuller to stay with the Texans because then he gets fed – alpha volume and he's more likely to get a, another contract in the in the short term here from Houston or somebody else after seeing him work in that role like another team if it's not the Texans another team is going to sign him and say yes we've seen you do this you have the ability to do this you're healthy so yes come over here you can do this um so no I in no aspects that I want Will Ford to go anywhere so all right man so let's dive into this our week Nine trade targets. Guys, you got to be picking up before week nine kicks off. Adam, kick me off. Who is your top two guys that you got to get on your teams? I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I don't usually like trading for quarterbacks, but I do like the idea of trading for Lamar Jackson. I understand that he, the passing game for Baltimore has been very, like, obviously they were going to regress massively. And they have. Um, but I think Lamar is going to start hitting these throws. I mean, he's like 27th in adjusted completion percentage on deep passes this year. And the thing with that is it's not like it's just been like, oh, yeah, he's just, you know, nobody's been. Like, Hollywood Brown has been open every single game on deep on deep passes. He's averaging like 3.2 average yards per separation, which doesn't sound like a lot. But if you look at, we always look at separation metrics, and it's usually slot receivers and, and tight ends. You know, Hollywood Brown's one of the few non-slot receivers or tight ends that's in, like, the top 20. So, I think they're going to start connecting. Lamar Jackson, for his, you know, he's had some turnover games and some, you know, relatively low-ceiling passing games. But he's still on pace for, you know, over 900 rushing yards. Um, He ran 16 times last game, which is obviously you like to see. The schedule, like, coming up isn't incredible. He's He's got Indianapolis, New England, but then he's got Tennessee. He's obviously going to face Pittsburgh again. But, like, when when it counts the most in the fantasy playoffs, he's got Dallas, Cleveland, Jacksonville, and the Giants. Like, I, I think those are good spots for him. Like I said, I also think he and Marquise Brown are going to start connecting, and that's going to give him, you know, even more upside. It's good to see that, um, like, he's run for 50 yards or more in every game except for two. And one of those games, it was that Cincinnati game where he was kind of banged up going into it. And then it was week one against Cleveland where he ran. It was a blowout. He still ran 45 or 45 yards. Um, so, yeah, like, the only problem is, like, there's probably people who drafted Dak who may have picked up, like, Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, and they're fine. Like, if you have one of those guys, I don't know if I would trade for Lamar Jackson, especially with how good Herbert's been. But, like, say you went into your draft and you kind of paired, like, Drew Brees and Jared Goff or something, right? Like, you have that set up at quarterback. Or you have um, uh, Matt Matt Ryan has been great. Like, you know, say you drafted Gardner Minshew. Like, there's situation. Matt Stafford has been pretty bad for fantasy. Like, I would definitely be willing to upgrade for Lamar Jackson because the, the ceiling is going to start getting higher for him when he connects on these deep passes. And the floor is still there because, like I said, he's on pace for over 900 rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't hate that call at all. I think that, look, Baltimore's eventually got to get this figured out, man. Like, whether it's it's setting up Jackson with some easier completions, 
trying to switch up some things. I'm not willing to write him off considering the ceiling we've seen. And he still has really good weapons around him. So I think he can write the ship, man. And if he does, the matchups, like you said, they're, they're, there's some there's some troubling ones uh, ahead, I think. I kind of um, like the New England one, actually, though. Because I don't, I don't hate it. Their because run I think defense New England has been is, terrible, and they play a ton of man. So they do agreed. That would be solid, and then like yeah, the only one I'm really freaking out about is Pittsburgh because they're the best defense in the NFL. But even last week, like he turned the ball over four times against Pittsburgh and still had like 16 fantasy points. Like that's yep. not terrible for a guy who didn't turn the ball over at all last year. Yeah, he had two picks and two lost fumbles, and he still had nearly 17 fantasy points. Yeah, I, I I don't hate that at all. Who's your next guy? You got to get up in here, Robbie Anderson. Uh, and you can lump DJ Moore in here as well. I know yep. we were all tilting watching them just not throw him the ball. I th- the only concern I have with DJ Moore is the fact that Teddy's throw street is literally always Robbie Anderson because my goodness, on Thursday night DJ Moore was open on these these drag routes all game and he just wasn't even looking at him. I think they kind of use that game and look at it and go, all right, we got to get just both these guys involved. We'll see how involved Christian McCaffrey is if he returns this week. But, I mean, Robbie Anderson's just been so safe this season. If people are worried about him, uh, the way, like we talked about a lot, the way he's being used as this intermediate guy, the connection with uh, the coaching staff there, and Matt Rule is just, it's just really unlocked Robbie Anderson this season. I still believe that the Panthers are going to be um, relatively pass heavy the rest of the way. And, like he's the like his matchups like they're not like outstanding, but the way they're using him like matchups kind of don't matter with the way they're using Robbie Anderson because he's getting so many high percentage targets. He's getting like he's getting more of the short targets than DJ Moore, but he's also getting you know deep targets as well. Um, like that was the thing with Robbie Anderson. We've never really seen him be able to make plays after the catch because when he's with the Jets, he was literally running streaks the whole time occasional screens here and there now they're letting him make plays after the catch um so if if people are worried about anderson or dj moore i still like both of them as really really strong wide receiver twos um like like yeah we usually look at schedules when we're looking at trade fours but like yeah kansas city this week it's not great Tampa Bay the following week but then he's got detroit minnesota before he's about by till week 13 which is kind of crazy um and then Denver, Green Bay, Washington. Like, I, I'm not freaking out about those matchups. And like I said, the way they're using him, it's kind of hard for him not to be. Um, like, his floor is so high, man. Like, look at his game log. He's had six for one fourteen, nine for one hundred nine, five for fifty five, eight for ninety nine, eight for one twelve, four for seventy seven, six for seventy four, and then five for forty eight last game. Like, that was his worst game, and it was still five for forty eight. Yeah, I think that the volume is definitely there. I think that. It, the other thing about it is if the Panthers lean any more into the past, like trying to, you know, ease Christian McCaffrey back into the lineup, mm-hmm. um, you you know Anderson and I and yeah, I love the fact that you brought up DJ Moore, but like people are still underselling both of these guys. They're both top twenty wide yeah, receivers. They, they, they don't. They do both not of them. throw to any. Like they give Curtis Samuel the jet sweeps and, and screens occasionally and, and some carries. They don't throw to anybody else. They literally do not throw to their yep. tight ends at all. They're going to throw to McCaffrey, obviously, or Mike Davis, but it's... I know Curtis Samuel's come on a little bit, but this offense is going to be McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. Like, that, those are the offenses I love. I mean, it, it almost reminds me in a way of... Um, remember a couple years ago, 
where Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders in Denver, they combine for like 50% of the team targets. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what these two are like. It's not going to be that high because Denver didn't throw to their running backs as much then as as uh, Carolina's doing with Well, and I, I was thinking about Minnesota with, with Thielen and Diggs. That's, that, yeah, that was that's, the first thing that came to mind That's the perfect comp because like, they don't, they're not going to throw to Dalvin Cook as much as McCaffrey, but they're still throwing to him four or five times a game. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good comp. Um, and yeah, like those are the, like I love, we talk about it in the DFS pod all the time, man. Like, it's like, it's like what, when you can get yourself players in concentrated offenses, that's what you want to do. You don't want to be in a situation where you're, you know, like give me these two guys over. I mean, honestly, you're, you're taking them over Mike Evans. I'm probably taking them over Godwin and Antonio Brown too. Like I don't, yep. Godwin might not even play this week. And like Antonio Brown, you don't bring him in to be like, a secondary or third option like so i think there's a path to where these two both get eight or not eight or nine targets every week we've seen some spikes in targets for one or the other but um like i said i just love players in concentrated offenses we want to know where the targets are going we want to know where the ball was going the Panthers have showed us over a long enough stretch it's going to one of these two wide receivers. Uh, so the two guys that I got to bring up in here, and I, I, I teased this a little bit out on Twitter, a guy that I love right now is Austin Hooper, and I think people are sleeping on it because, one, he had the appendicitis, he had the appendectomy, he missed some time, and it's a bye week. The Browns have not looked amazing, Hooper's schedule and his role in this offense before he went out was so sneaky damn good. If we're talking about the tight end position has been just a dumpster fire outside of like literally two, maybe three guys, Austin Hooper is a guy that I think you can go out and trade for for pennies on the dollar right now. And even if Cleveland doesn't throw the ball a ton, His role in this offense, if he comes back healthy and the schedule that he has moving forward is absolutely fantastic, Adam. So like the three games before Hooper went out, he was third amongst tight ends over that three-game stretch because we're talking about his inclusion, his usage was trending up in the Browns passing offense. Over those three games, he was third amongst tight ends and target share behind only Kittle and Kelsey. He was third amongst tight ends in weighted opportunity behind only Kittle and Kelsey. You're looking at, he's getting top three usage over those three games. And yes, I know it's a small sample size, but we're talking about usage and predicting that forward. Odell is out. Landry is banged up. What is stopping Austin Hooper from getting seven targets weekly? And this schedule moving forward, like from week 10 on, This is the teams that he is going to face up with, Adam. Houston, 24th in DVOA. The Eagles, 27th. Jacksonville, 23rd. Tennessee, 25th. Baltimore is 22nd. The Giants are 21st. He doesn't face a team that's even middle of the road versus the tight end position until he gets the hapless Jets in Week 16, who are 17th. You're telling me for the rest of the week, or the rest of the season, he gets... 21st or lower in DVOA versus the tight end position matchups, he could be the number one target in this offense and get seven targets a week, even if they don't throw. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you very much. Why in the hell would people not want to go out and get this guy? Tell me why, Adam. I don't know, but obviously he was the player I was alluding to when we were talking about Kittle. Uh, that's the other thing. Like, you can probably, especially because he's missed the time and people just hate players. Like, they just, they especially if you need a win, like, they're just really impatient with players on a bye. So, like, you could go out and get Austin Hooper. And, yeah, it's like... Okay, say Cleveland only throws 30 times a game max. I mean, what, 17, 18 of those targets are probably going to a combination of Landry and Hooper. Um, so, yeah, I, I, Hooper looked like a complete bust the first two weeks of the season, and then mm-hmm. he, you saw his target share, even with Odell Beckham there, increased every single week, and now it's going to be at worst where it was before he got hurt with Odell Beckham out. Um like maybe they use two tight ends more than they have been because uh, Harrison Bryant's kind of been emerging, but still, it's not gonna, it's not gonna really affect uh, Austin Hooper that much, especially when you add the fact that they're they're missing Odell Beckham Jr. So yeah, I love the call. Yeah, man. I mean, I just think that like he's a guy that's sitting out on waiver wires right now. He's a guy that because he's missed some time and the Browns weren't a sexy passing team to begin with, but we've had some things change here. Like, he's got less competition for targets. His role was emerging before he went out. The schedule is beautiful. These, the position around him is god-awful. Like, his usage weekly is going to put him around that top five conversation. And I know people are going to hear that, and they're going to say, oh, dude, whatever. Like, go look at the position. Who the hell else are you going to say that is going to get seven targets? Or that's in his range of outcomes, as his floor probably weekly moving forward. Who the hell else, Adam? Who is going to get seven targets? Please tell me. What's the short list of why Austin Hooper will not be in that top five conversation if that's his his volume moving forward? I mean, the short list of tight ends that are you can project for seven targets and see it happening is Kelsey, Darren Waller, Hawkinson probably now with Galladay hurt, maybe Noah Fant and Evan Ingram. I think Hayden Hurst falls into that category. He's been around that range. Hunter Henry hasn't been getting seven targets since Herbert's been there. It's been all Keenan Allen. John o. Smith, I'm going to talk about in a little bit. He ain't getting seven targets. Um, Andrews really isn't even getting seven targets. Like, I think the tight ends that you can say, okay, they have a good chance to get seven targets are Kelsey, Waller, Hawkinson. I would still put Andrews in that in that range. He, like, he, he could easily get there. Noah Fant, um, Evan Ingram, Hayden Hurst. And the last person, and Hooper, obviously, then, like, the only other person I could maybe see is Logan Thomas. Uh, dude, I just love Austin Hooper. I think that he is going to be a guy that people can pick up, and the price you pay for him in trades can absolutely pay off. Uh, so another guy that, uh, I, and I know he's gotten some love, he's gotten some targets, but this this team overall just has a stink about them. A stink where everybody's like, yeah. I I, oh, I I don't want that guy. I don't I, I don't want that guy. Not at all. When you have Nick Foles throwing your passes, 
People are not always going to be clamoring for you, but I think that people need to be going out and trying to get Allen Robinson on their teams because the schedule especially, because we're at the point where you need to at least be peering at and considering, mildly considering the fantasy playoff schedules, especially if you're a team that is sitting near the top or at the top of your leagues, that is something that needs to like enter the very back of your thinking. Allen Robinson, we know he is going to be fed targets. He is the clear number one. And I know that people are going to talk about, oh, well, Anthony Miller's emerging and blah, blah, blah. He got targets last week. Matt Nagy is not a big fan of consistently feeding Anthony Miller. If he becomes a thing, I- I'm sorry. I've led you astray. But it, they are not running 11 personnel consistently enough on a weekly basis. And I don't trust Matt Nagy. I don't trust Nick Foles to do anything besides to feed Allen Robinson. And if you look at the schedule, Adam... I think it's pretty nice uh, moving forward. So I know he's going to see a lot of Malcolm Butler. That's not a great matchup this who week. Cares? But if you look he at the next. destroyed Janoris Jenkins and Lattimore, who have been struggling, but they're better players than Malcolm Butler. Robinson's That's just, fair, man. Robinson just, he, dude, he just beats everybody. Dude, he gets Cameron Dantzler and company after that. Then they have a bye. Then he goes against Jair Alexander and Awarie for the Lions. I know those are not fantastic matchups. So, dude, weeks 14, 15, and 16 are so beautiful. He gets Houston, who Bradley Roby, we've already talked about him. Three touchdowns, 106 pass rating. It's probably going to shadow him. Week 15, he gets a revisiting of the Vikings. We talked about how bad they've been all year long. Then he gets Jacksonville in Fantasy Championship Week, and they can't carb anybody to save their lives. For a guy that is going to be a top 15 weekly play, and he has top five upside every single week based off of volume alone, even in bad matchups, I love Allen Robinson. You got to go out. You got to get him. I think that he's a guy that could be a really big difference maker, especially down the stretch and in the fantasy playoffs. Um, Any other thoughts about Allen Robinson, man? Nah, a really good player in in another really concentrated offense, and... I just, every single time he's on my television set, I just fantasize about the potential of him in a 16-game season with, I don't know, you don't have to say like Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, just like a 16-game season of him with Stafford, you know, like somebody that's just good, and then I get upset watching Nick Foles overthrow him. It's the same reason why, like, why you get upset watching Darnell Mooney like streaking down the field, and Nick Foles is just like, "I see you, man." <laughs> Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson must see that happen and go, "Welcome to my life, kid." Allen <laughs> <laughs> Robinson's like, "I've been dealing with that no for clue. years, buddy." You have no clue, man. Give you <laughs> a few more years, <laughs> and then you and goes, feel my pain. He looks at him and he goes, "You don't even know." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Man." You should have seen Blake Bortles. If you think Nick is bad, oh, my God. <laughs> all right, man. So, look, we are talking about all these players that you are trying to acquire and you are trying to get onto your teams. I would be doing you a disservice if I did not bring up another fabulous place to acquire football goodness into your life, and that is pristineauction.com. You can start bidding on thousands of items for as little as a dollar a day. They have daily auctions with signed helmets, jerseys, footballs, all kinds of beautiful items. Over 8,000 items in their auctions at all times. You have got to head over there and find that must-have item today. 
So head over to pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com, and use promo code FTN for $10 off your first invoice and let them know we sent you. All right, Adam, as we do every single week, let's flip the script, man. Players that we are sending off, away, do never to come back from our teams. Who are your two guys here? So I know we talked about tight end being pretty bad, especially with George Kittle now out, but I'm worried about Jonu Smith, man. Like I, I wrote about him in the Stock Report article at FTN Fantasy. So we he has been pretty bad since A.J. Brown returned to the lineup. He had that two-touchdown game against Buffalo. Well, that was the last time he was good, and that should have been a one-touchdown game because the second touchdown came when Tannehill was seven yards uh, past the line of scrimmage. I'm not better. Um <laughs> <laughs> they would have only lost by 30 that, that game instead of 40, I guess. But so in week eight, we saw Corey Davis go off for 100 yards and a touchdown. If you remember last year, a big the, – the, the other reason behind – there was two reasons behind A.J. Brown's breakout rookie year. One is that he's really freaking good. And two is that they had nothing at receiver outside of him, right? It was, Corey Davis wasn't – he was hurt for a lot of the year. Then he was, wasn't really a thing. This year, Corey Davis has been really consistent. He's had a really solid floor. I think he's been over 60 yards uh, or a touchdown in every game. So, And then he obviously missed time with the COVID stuff. And then John o. Smith had some good games. But last week, John o. Smith was targeted twice. He ran. He was outside the top 20 among tight ends in Week 8 and, and routes run with 21. And he only ran three more routes than Anthony Ferkser at tight end, who plays on the same team as him. That's concerning. We know that this this is what I thought at the time. A couple like in week one, a concentrated offense it was going to be Henry getting the ball, and then it was going to be AJ Brown and Jonu Smith. But Corey Davis has been really good this year. Quietly, that's hurt Jonu Smith. Then you add the fact that this is still a team that wants to run the ball with Derrick Henry twenty two to twenty five times a game, which means Jonu Smith Jonu Smith is run blocking more. And I talk about this all the time with tight ends, like. You know Tyler Higby, guys like that. Like snaps, you can't just look at snaps with, with tight ends. Receivers, sure. Running backs, for the most part, sure. Tight ends, you need to look at routes more than any other position because receivers don't block it like tight ends do. You know, you, you, like, there's obviously plays where they're blocking for for the run, but tight ends, you know, they'll pass block at times. They'll run block a lot. And you know, Tyler Higby, that's why he's been terrible. He's not running routes. Jonathan Smith lately has not been running many routes, and that's why he's only gotten a couple targets each game. So the appeal is there because he's so explosive and so good after the catch, and they will dial up some screens for him. But in an offense that's already a low passing volume offense, if Tannehill's throwing the ball 25 times and A.J. Brown's getting 7 or 8 and Davis is getting 6 to 8 and Henry's getting his two targets a game, like Humphrey's just still—I know he's got a concussion, but he's still getting targets when he's on the field. Like I just don't know how much is left for Jonathan Smith— if he's getting five targets at most a game, and that was kind of the case last year, but he was breaking off big plays and he was more involved in the red zone, like that's just that hasn't been a thing since AJ Brown's been back, and I'm pretty worried about it. I, I, I get the concern, man. I think the other thing that needs to get thrown out of here is that I, I, I wonder not only the emergence or, or re inclusion of AJ Brown, I really kind of wonder how healthy Janu is right now. Yeah, he's still like, he, he had, had the, the injury ankle a couple weeks ago. You're right. Yep, and, and we've seen his role diminish. The production's kind of tailed off. I wonder if he's just gutting it out and playing through some stuff. I think on name value alone, I think that, and considering just the state of the position, I I, I think you got to consider moving Janu, man. Um, I'm really curious about the next name that you have on here because 
My first question is going to be, what are you going to get for him? But, but sell me the case of, of trading away this guy. So, I've been encouraged by Juju Smith-Schuster the last couple weeks. He's hauled in, like, let me see. It was, I think he has, like, 23 targets the last two games. He's hauled in, like, 14 or 15 of them. The problem for me is, like, maybe you wait till after this game because... I, we we've seen this seesaw thing with the with the Pittsburgh receivers all year, where it's Deontay Johnson's the number one, Chase Claypool's the number one. Now Juju looks to be you know back to being at least maybe the number one. They should all get theirs against Dallas this week, so maybe you wait one more week. But I mean, like Juju had his breakout game, so to speak, against Tennessee. Um, you know, I know he had the, the touchdowns earlier in the year, but that was clearly his best game in a while against Tennessee, where he had nine for eighty five. I mean, they threw the ball 49 times in that game. He had 7 for 67 last week. They didn't throw the, the ball out. He was just, Juju played well. He played really well in that game because despite the, the you know, less than ideal fantasy season for Juju, he's still a really good freaking player. But I think after this week, if, if these Steelers receivers do what they should do, including Juju, you could potentially trade him away. And I just think if... Deontay Johnson can stay healthy. He's been more consistently the number one target. Claypool, they they went right back to him after not involving him at all in Week 7. He had nine targets. I just think they're, like, for me, I guess that's the theme of the podcast today is concentrated offenses. This is not a concentrated offense. Big Ben is throwing it to everybody. He's even throwing to Ray McLeod and James Washington when on the field at times. So, like, you look, if you if Juju has, like, 80 yards and a touchdown or, or another really solid game against Dallas— like, if you could get the Carolina receivers, because they have a tough matchup against Kansas City, Kansas City they have been good against receivers. I would take both um, Carolina receivers over him. I would take, um, honestly, like, I think there's more upside with Marquise Brown, and people are really down on Marquise Brown, too. Um, I, I could have easily lumped him in with the Lamar Jackson conversation. Uh, so I think, like, I, I just worry that there's still going to be four target games from Juju coming up. Whereas, like, there's a lot of receivers where you're not going to see four target games very often from a lot of other receivers in the league. Um, so I guess that's my main concern. I still love Juju as a player, but they are going to give Chase Claypool a lot of targets and a handful of carries. And Deontay Johnson, assuming he can stay on the field for a full game, he isn't going anywhere either. And Eric Ebron's been kind of more involved lately too, so... I, I I mean, look, I get all the concerns about Juju, I, and and I think that yes, you need to be shopping him in your league. I think that that that's a definite move that you need to be looking to make because Ben, unlike previous years, has shown us now over a long enough sample that like this season he ain't force feeding the ball to anybody, man. He's taking whatever defense gives him, and on the weekly basis, like that's the hardest thing. It's like where the hell is the ball going? And we thought, like, coming into this season, it was going to be going to Juju and Juju often. Is he the fourth option in terms of uh, when they're inside, like, the 10-yard line? Because they're giving, they're yeah. going to run the ball, and then they're going to give Claypool those little, you know, those end-arounds uh, across the line of scrimmage, then Ebron, and then Deontay Johnson. Like, I I feel like Juju, and remember, his touchdowns came earlier in the year. One was, like, a broken play was wide open, and then obviously Claypool wasn't established then, and Deontay Johnson missed some games. Yeah, I, I think it's a good call. I think that he's probably on most weeks at best the fourth option. And for a guy that the A dot is pitiful, 
the 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 target share is back and forth and seesawing all over the damn place. I think that if if you can get rid of him based off of the last few weeks or what he's done recently, much less if you have to hold him and he does better this week, it's time to get rid of him, man. It is definitely time moving forward because on no week are you going to feel good, especially down the stretch and into the fantasy playoffs. Like you're not going to feel good on starting him any week, knowing that like there's a high floor and a ceiling that is attached to Juju. So I, I love the call. And the two guys that I got to bring up here, and both of them are coming off good games, okay? One of them is Brandon Ayuk. And and really the reason there's a lot of things, and yes, I know people are automatically going to be like, well, duh. I mean, it's because Nick Mullins is under center. Nick Mullins has not been that much different than Jimmy G. Like, he has not been worse. The, the, the quarterback play is not the big reason why I'm throwing this in here. One, Debo is not, like, out for the entire season. He's probably going to come back at some point. That's going to hurt Ayuk. Plus, if you look at the matchups moving forward, even if Debo does not come back, week 12, they get he gets he's going to see a ton of Jalen Ramsey. Week 13, he's going to see a ton of Trey White. Week 14, Kendall Fuller, he's going to see for about half that game. Kendall Fuller has been really good, and nobody's talking about it right now. He's only been targeted 17 times, 17 times six receptions, a nine, single digits. 9.3 passer rating. The dude has picked off opposing quarterbacks four times. Then he gets a good matchup in week 15 versus Dallas. But that's week 15, man. Like, you're having to hold him until week 15? And then week 16, he's going to see a bunch of Patrick Peterson, who is not dead and is playing well this year. Brandon Ayuk is a guy that is coming off a good game. And I think that you need to consider getting rid of him, man. Like, I don't see that he's going to be a an ascending asset. The matchups moving forward are rough for him. Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts on Ayuk? You like the situation, obviously. But, yeah, like, you mentioned those, um, those cornerback matchups. Like, quarterbacks do not target Trey White. It's one of the reasons he's still yet to intercept the pass. Like teams don't even look his way. And I like when the secondary corners for Buffalo aren't great, why would you, right? Um you Jalen Ramsey, obviously a really good corner, and Patrick Peterson. We've seen a lot of teams just go target Byron Murphy and Drake Kirkpatrick and said Murphy's played really well this year, but still you're not like Pat P, people just love calling that's dude, people just love just anointing everybody as as dust if they're over the age of twenty five. <laughs> but Pat P is is still really good. I think there's going to be weeks where you still feel good about the volume, but and they'll probably give him, especially with the running backs all hurt, and even when one of them comes back, it seems to be the trend that one, another one's going to come. Like one when run when one San Francisco running back comes back, another one leaves. It's been that way all year, so they'll probably give him a couple carries a game. We'll see, but yeah, like I think he's probably as long as Debo's out, like a, a low-end wide receiver too. But yeah, those matchups definitely aren't great. And we still, you know, Nick Mullins should be better than what Garoppolo's been all year, but it's still not like the most ideal quarterback situation in the world. Yeah, I, I just think that, that I'm worried about cornerback matchups. And yes, when you're talking about top guys, they're going to follow whoever the top receiving option is around the field. And right now, for the information we have in front of us right now, <laughs> The, that's gonna be IU. Dude, the next those games you mentioned, that's like you add a couple other players and it's like the legitimate best corners in the NFL. It's Jair this week, 
you mentioned Trey White, Ramsey, Pat P. Like that's really bad. Like it's horrible. The dude. only way horrible. it gets worse is if like he had to play. I know he had like he, if he had to play like Marlon Humphrey or something like that, and <laughs> Stephon Gilmore. Like that's you add those two, and it's literally the best corners in the NFL. Yeah, and and. and... Moving over to, uh, we brought up Trey White a few different times, a, a fellow Bills player, and I, I think that it's time you get rid of Zach Moss, man. He's coming off a fantastic game. I know he got increased usage. His snaps have trended up over the last three weeks. I think that the really big thing for Zach Moss is I don't trust his usage on a week-to-week basis. Like, yes, it's been trending up. Is Devin Singletary going away? No. Is Josh Allen going away? No. And if you look at Zach Moss, and we're talking about schedules, and it's something that you have to look at these rushing matchups that running backs have presented in front of them, I think that the, it could come crashing down for Zach Moss this week, man. Like, Seattle has been really good against opposing running backs. Like, you look at them. 11th in adjusted line yards, 12th in open field yards allowed. And Zach Moss's remaining schedule for the fantasy season. Then he gets Arizona, which, I mean, that's fine. It's a middling matchup. Then they have a bye. Then they get the Chargers, which, again, middling matchup. Nothing fantastic, nothing terrible. But then he has to go through this murderer's row of really good teams versus the run. He gets San Francisco, who are 10th in adjusted line yards allowed. Pittsburgh, who is a top three run defense in the NFL. Then Denver, who has been really, really good. Like, they are second in second field yards allowed to opposing running backs. And then he gets New England finally in week 16. Like, if you're looking at these next few matchups, he's got four, I would say, bad or you need to downgrade him type matchups. And three that are middle of the road. And one of those that we're talking about is not until week 16. So... I just don't think that he's a guy that you're going to be counting on a week-to-week basis coming off a two-touchdown game. I think that you could get more back for him than what his value in the coming weeks is going to be. And I know he was a popular name out on waivers right now, and people are going to say, really? I just got this guy. Like, why are you telling me to trade him? Adam, you're you're the Bills guy. You're the Bills guy of this podcast. Tell me how I'm wrong here. The only way you would be wrong is if Devin Singletary missed time or was phased out, and mm-hmm. he's not getting phased out of this offense. They love Devin Singletary. They trust Devin Singletary. He's not going anywhere unless, you know, God forbid he gets hurt. The thing with that Bills game on Sunday, it was the first game all year where they really could run the football effectively. Um, both Singletary and Moss had 14 carries. Both of them eclipsed 80 yards. Of course, Zach Moss got the touchdowns. Like, Josh Allen isn't throwing the ball 18 times again this year. That's not happening. Like, there'll probably be some games where, you know, it's more towards, like, 26, 27 than it was 38, 39, like, earlier in the year. But, look, man, like, this week, they, Josh Allen isn't, if Josh Allen throws the ball 18 times against Seattle, then Buffalo's defense had four touchdowns, you know? Like, that's, then that's not happening. So, yeah, like they they clearly it was and that was their plan all week long. Was they knew the weather was going to be bad and they knew the the Patriots had been susceptible to the, to the to the run. So that was their plan from, you know, when they started game planning for this game was to run the football with both these guys and it worked. I don't I don't know if that's going to be their plan every game this season. Like we know Buffalo is this team that 
over the last 10 years has been just, you know, play good defense and run the football. That's not their MO this year. Like, Brian Dable is not, you know, he, they've still been passing the ball on early downs as much as any team in the league. And, like, their defense has been playing better lately, but it's still not anywhere close to where it was the last couple of years. So, I think Moss is still, like, you're... Like, it took it took Josh Allen 18 pass attempts, a game where he had 18 pass attempts, for Zach Moss to get 14 carries. Like, I like Zach Moss. I think he's he needs to be rostered in every league. But if somebody offers you, like... Something really enticing for him, yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting here, be like, no, I have to hold Zach Moss because Singletary, it's going to be a fifty-fifty split. And say Zach Moss doesn't convert those two touchdowns last game, and like the one came from eight yards out, it was a nice run. The other one came from like five yards out, where the offensive line pushed him an extra four yards, and he scored. If he gets down <laughs> with the one, and Josh Allen runs in, it's still a good game. But we know that threat is still there with Josh Allen, so I actually don't disagree with the call. Um, I just really mad that I had to talk about the Bills now because it's only Wednesday and I can't freaking wait for this game on Sunday. You hear that FTC Nation? You heard it from here first. The Bills homer of the podcast approves trading away <laughs> Zach Moss. Well, here's the other thing, right? There's no way he's going to have a good game this week because John Brown and Stephon Diggs are going to absolutely destroy the Seahawks secondary. Torch! Bro, I'm so excited for that game. So I'm usually a pessimist. But I think the Bills win on Sunday. Oh, that's a hot take, man. I like it. I like <laughs> it. So, everybody, if you are not already a sub over at FTN Daily, you have got to head over there. Get subscribed today with the promo code FTC. They just dropped the price. It is $99 for the rest of the season pass. Plus. You add our promo on top of that. You're saving 10% more for the rest of the season. You are going to get also our premium Sunday night, Monday night podcast on the site weekly with one of our guests from FTN Daily. So if you have not signed up already, head over to FTNDaily.com, get signed up, use the promo code. You will thank us now. You will thank us later for it. Adam and I are going to be back. For the DFS game by game breakdown with a very, very special guest. So for Fade the Chalk, we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Fade the Chalk with Derek and Adam. Make sure to follow your hosts and the podcast on Twitter at DBRO underscore FFB at AP Pfeiffer 24 and at Chalk Fade. Smash that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode.